Today I'll be reading from Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, and he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Good morning, my name is Nick, and I am the pastor of student ministries here at Pine Lake Covenant Church, and I get the privilege of sharing God's word with you today. We are in a series called Faith Out Loud, is that how we're saying it? Yes, Faith Out Loud, where every week we go through a different psalm and we dive in deep into it and say, what, or what can we learn from this about how we pray, about how we worship, about how we speak to God? And today I have chosen Psalm 98 for us to look at. It's not really a, a popular psalm, uh, but I love it because it talks about worship. And if you know anything about me, I love worship. I've always loved worship from the moment I learned guitar when I was about 14. I always wanted to be a part of the worship band at my church. Always. And they let me do it or at an early age and turned me down ever so slightly, but I got to do it. I was there. And I, was, I continued with them throughout my high school years, and in college I was a part of a rock and roll worship band, and we'd travel around youth groups and play for them and lead worship. And um, I love when I get to be a part of the worship music here, and on a weekly basis when I get to play worship with our students. Oh, I love it. You should come check out our middle school band where we have a clarinet, a flute, a saxophone, uh, drums, bass, and guitar for our middle school program. I mean, I, oh, I love it. I love it. But for me, I'm not just satisfied with Sunday morning worship alone. There's got to be more. And that's where I want to take us today, is that I want to challenge our thinking about what is worship and what does worship look like. And so my sermon today is titled, A New Song to Sing. And we're going to look through the psalm, and I believe that it has three different components for us this morning about what worship is. Worship is remembering. Worship is loud. And worship is hopeful. So here we go. Worship is about remembering. Let me read those first three verses again. If you have your scriptures, you can follow along. Verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. In those first three verses, there's one word that repeats, and that's salvation. 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 We hear it three times. It's about remembering where Israel had been and what God had done for them. 
These songs, these praises in this psalm aren't just generic praises that, God, you're good. God, you're amazing. But this psalm is remembering a specific moment and a specific event in history for a specific group of people who were in captivity in Israel. I'm sorry, in in Egypt, right? In slavery. And they're remembering God's deliverance from that. But as we might have, have remembered the story, their worship songs weren't always praise and glory. Some of the songs they sang were about grumbling and defeat. When they came out of Egypt, remember, they didn't have enough water. They didn't have enough food. The menu that God provided with the manna and the quails, that wasn't good enough. And when they finally reached the promised land, they couldn't take it because the people were too big. And their worship was sounding a lot like grumbling. But when they reached the promised land, they remember that God, where God had saved them from. But they needed to be reminded. Before... Before they passed through the Red Sea in Exodus 15, and I recommend checking this out sometime, Moses led the people in a song of worship and remembrance. So there's an army coming down upon them, but they're remembering that God is good, and they're worshiping God at the shores. They pass through the Red Sea, and on the other side, when the sea closes behind them, Miriam leads them in another song of remembrance and worship for God. Of God, you have led us through some crazy stuff, and you are good. You see, we too can find ourselves in a place of grumbling by what we see around us. And this psalm can give us language and give us a voice for how to, how to speak to God about these things and, and, and it challenges us to remember where we've come from. You see, when we become saved, we sing a new song. When we become saved, when we meet Jesus in a real way, you have to sing a new song. There's no way around it. But some of us have known Jesus maybe for a long time, and we've been singing the same song, and maybe we've gotten into a rut, and we've been singing that same song for years, and we need to sing a new one. When we worship, we sing praises to God, who was present in our past. We sing praises to God who is with us in the present right now. And we sing praises to God who will be in the future tomorrow. We remember God's faithfulness and love. And that's what that psalm brings us. That God is, that we remember that God is a God of love. But what we remember most and what brings more hope, I would say, is that God remembers us. God doesn't forget his people. God is in the remembering business. And that brings us to worship. I'm a person who, um, who is big on words. Words are powerful. Words hold value. Words give pictures. Words are tied to emotions. Some words have some baggage included with them. But words are important. And so if I were to ask you the question, uh, what is church? Right? What is church? That's a, big, that's a big word. Maybe on your way in, you're, maybe when you got in the car, you're thinking, we're going to go head to church this morning. Okay? Let me ask you another question. What is worship? That's another big phrase. Maybe on the way in, while you're driving here, you're thinking, we are going to worship. 
And while the answer to both of those questions is yes, this is a church, and yes, we are worshiping, I believe there's more, and there's got to be more, or we're missing out. And I want to challenge our thinking about this one hour a week. Worship comes from relationship. When we have a relationship with something, and when we spend some time with it, we place value in it. And we decide how much worship we will give to that thing. Let me give you an example. And I apologize early. How many of us have a piece of clothing with the Seahawks logo on it? He borrowed that from me. But um, no, um, maybe we have multiple pieces of clothing that have Seahawks logo on it, right? How many of us know when the next game is going to be? How long is that game going to last? A couple hours. Do you have that time already carved out of your schedule that you are going to be there for that game? All right, let me push a little deeper. Do you know the names of at least 10 players on the Seahawks team? But maybe struggle to name the 12 disciples. Sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> ah. but, but I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. There, there's nothing wrong with being a fan and having team pride. Nothing wrong. Good stuff. Good stuff, right? But I have to say that there is a line that we can cross when it gets into the worship realm. When our actions and our behavior begin to look a little bit like worship. Let me show you what I mean. I came across this image right here. There are some fans. There are some diehard fans that are at every game. And here are some fans. But what I notice about both of these teams and both of these groups are one group is lost in worship and the other group is lost in worship. I'll let that sit for a moment. The Seahawks, they're, they're an easy example, easy to poke at. We see it around here a lot. But Worship can become anything. Anything can become worship. Education. Our own children's success in what they do. A career we have or one we want. Beauty. Strength. Cars. Houses. Anything. Things. Anything can become something we worship. Because we as human beings, we're made for worship. It's a part of who we are. We're made for it. Worship is about giving worth to something, giving it attention, giving it our time, giving it our thoughts, our energy, our money, to bow to its authority over our life. That is worship. And the psalmist goes on to describe what does worship of God look like? And here we go. Worship is loud. Verse 4 through 6 says, Shout to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp. With the harp, the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy to the Lord, the King. This is not a meek picture of worship. 
This is not a stand with our hands in our pockets and God is good kind of worship. This is a breaking forth. This is a shouting. This is an expanding it out because there's something inside of us that we can no longer contain because we have this relationship with God that we have to let it go and tell others about it. We have to worship And the psalmist goes on to say there are some tools that can be involved in worship. And so if you were here last week with us, there was this beautiful harp set up here for worship, if you got to experience that. And harps, man, they're so beautiful. They're so, they bring me to a place of just that sacred, just that sound of, oh, I love it. Um, It's not the most loud of of instruments, but it, it brings something to worship, does it not? And then the psalmist moves on and it says, join together with the voices and sing praises. So we're getting a little bit louder here. And the word psalm actually means sing praises. Interesting connection. And then it goes on to the trumpet. Thank you, Stefan rocked it out this morning on that trumpet for us. Good stuff. And then it moves on to the ram's horn. Or maybe your scriptures when you were reading it, it said the word cornet. And I had to do some digging on that one. Mike, I have, Brendan has never written a cornet part, I don't think, or a ram's horn part, and I hope he does, so I don't know. But I had, I had to do some digging. I'm thinking, well, where was the last time I remember hearing about that in the scriptures? But if we remember, back in Joshua, when they were going and walking around the city of Jericho, at the end, what did they do? They blew, they blew the ram's horn, and what happened at Jericho? And we're supposed to bring that kind of power to worship. That's what this psalmist is bringing us to. And uh, I love that picture there. The other piece that um, the ram's horn was used to blow when a new king came into power. When a new king came into the throne, they blew the ram's horn so that everybody knew something big was going down. I brought one with me. You want to see it? Do you want to see it? I mean, I don't, I don't, I can just, uh, okay, all right. So there we are. All right. I practiced it a bit, so we'll give it a shot. That worked. That worked. All right. If you want to see me after, we'll give you a shot, too. I'll let you try it. But... Oh, uh, but bring your handy wipes, please. Well, I'll do something there. Okay. Um, <laughs> the ram's horn, and, and that's what the scripture brings us back to. It says, shout for joy before the Lord, the king, the king. We, in our day, in our age, we get to look back through the cross that Jesus is the king. And we get to blow that ram's horn of worship that Jesus is the king. I love that picture. Worship is deeper than a physical time or space. It's about our soul. It's about our attention. It's about a a posture of being in awe and thanks and wonder of God. And giving thanks and praise to a creator God who is in the process of redeeming his creation. I have to say... For me, and so some of you might not identify with this, but I hate mowing the lawn. I hate it. I always have. 
This was, this was my very first job, and I remember when I was a teenager, I couldn't drive, and so my dad and I would load up our lawnmower in our, in our truck, and we'd drive it out to my grandma's house, and I'd mow her lawn, and it'd take an hour and a half, two hours, and, and the scrawny little dude pushing this huge lawnmower for an hour and a half, and it's just, it's sweaty, it takes a long time, and it's hard work, and it's dirty. I still don't like it. I'm a grown guy, and I, oh man, and so... I have to say, though, about a year ago, I started changing how I thought about this. Ah, it was so hard, but it still is. So I had to think about, I I changed how I thought about mowing my lawn. And and if you've been around me any period of time, you know that I use this phrase. And what I would do is I would say, I have to go mow the lawn, right? You feel that sense of, I have to go do, and then fill in the blank. And I've changed my language over this last year to say, I get to mow my lawn. I get to mow my lawn. (laughs) So for me, this has become a posture of worship for me in my own life. This has become a place where I get to say, God, I'm partnering with you and your creation. You've given me this little green patch and I get to care for it. Thank you. I'm going to be praying the whole time and worshiping the whole time, but it has been a shift for me to say, this is my new song to sing. To say, God, this was an activity that I absolutely despised, but use it for your good. Use it for your glory, that I get to do this, so thank you. Verse 7 and verse 8 go on to talk about creation. And this is some of my favorite parts of this psalm. Let the sea resound and everything in it, in the world, and all who live in it, let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. Nature itself is worshiping. He goes on to talk about, so he's talking about the sea, he's talking about the world, he's talking about the rivers, and he's talking about the mountains. If you were with us last week, Pastor Mark brought us to to understand that that means he's talking about all of creation, from the east to the west, from the low to the high. Everything in creation is in worship. Isaiah 55, 12 says this, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst forth into song before you and the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Man, what a cool imagery. Have you ever been around a tree that's clapping? We don't talk about it that way. We don't use that kind of language nowadays, but man, I love that. So I get the privilege of working with young people and with students, and especially with sixth grade boys, and so there's something I know about attention, and you have to change things every so often to keep attention. And so today, we're going to try an activity if you're with me. If you're okay with doing something with your hands, we're going to try something out. So if you could go ahead, if you have anything with you, if you have your scriptures or notes, I would set it aside, because we're going to do something together. And here's what we're going to do. We are going to bring rain into this place what all Washingtonians need more of, right? And so what's going to happen, we're going to do four different things, and I'll I'll guide you through them. So number one, put your hands together like this, and go like this. You hear it? Okay. Number two, go like this. Number three, go like this. And number four, stomp your feet. Perfect, stop. Okay, here's how it's going to work. 
all together, we're going to start with our hands rubbing. And when I come over here and I point at you, we're going to change and move to snapping. When I move like this, you change when I point at you. Does that make sense? And then I'll come over here and then we'll pat. And then I'll come over here again and we'll stomp. And we're going to bring rain. You ready? I'm excited. Here we go. Everybody now. So no talking. around right on yes there it was <laughs> uh, oh thank you for that beautiful worship thank you for for being a part of my craziness i appreciate it <laughs> oh it worked oh boy my uh my family and i we just took a trip this summer and we went to Winthrop, Washington, unique little town. Oh boy! And we took Trailer Swift. And uh, if you want to know more about who, tra- <laughs> if you want to know more about Trailer Swift, I'll tell you afterwards. Um, she's awesome. And um, we stayed at a KOA there, and there was this pretty good-sized river next to the KOA. And my kids just wanted to go directly to the river. And we went down there, and I noticed there was this really big rock. I don't know if you could you could see it. There's a big rock in the middle, and I was, you know, I had in mind this psalm for quite some time to get ready for today, and this psalm came to my mind. And especially the, the verse when it says this, where I go back to it, let the rivers clap their hands and the mountains sing together for joy. As I'm sitting there, I'm watching this rock and I'm hearing the sounds of the river, and this, this idea came into my mind that rivers only make sounds when rocks are present. Rivers can only sing when there's an obstacle in their way. If there was nothing there, it would just be a silent flow of water and it would make an easy path. But when there's something in the way, it's forced to make noise. Likewise, mountains make noise when heavy winds come and hit them. If you've ever stood on a mountain and experienced a heavy wind, my goodness, is that loud. Or maybe when the ground begins to shake, mountains can make sounds. And as I think about this picture, what does that tell us about our lives? What does that tell us about worship? When troubles come, when rocks are in our way, when we're being blown by the forces around us, that's when we need to sing a new song. That's when we need to sing a new song. We need to be reminded that we have been redeemed by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that God is continuing to do the business of redeeming us and His creation and we get to be a part of it. Salvation becomes our worship, our new song. Which moves us into the last point that worship is hopeful. Worship is hopeful. Let them sing before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. There are three really, really important words in that section that bring us to hope, that sum up Christian hope, I would say. For 
He comes. Say it one more time. Let that sink in. For He comes. God's judgment is awaited with joy because it's characterized by righteousness and equity. Big words. We don't use those words in our everyday language. Let me say it another way. Is that we are excited for Jesus to come back to this place to set things right again with fairness and with goodness. And that brings us hope. That brings us hope. There's a famous Christian songwriter who has written many songs that we sing here on a Sunday or that you hear on the Christian radio station. And that's Chris Tomlin. You might have heard his name. Chris Thomas had this to say about worship. Worship isn't a feeling you wait for. It is a choice you make. We have to decide to worship, not wait for it to happen to us. One of his most famous songs that he wrote in the last 12 years, and it's been translated into multiple languages and probably being sung right now in a church across the globe, And I'm sure you know it. If you do, join me in singing it. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Hold on for a moment. Wait, what was that last phrase you just said? How great is our God, how great, sing with me, how great is our God, for all will see how great is our God. You see, if worship is confined to one week, one hour every week, we are not worshiping fully. If this is all that we know of worship, how in the world can we expect the world to know how great our God is? Bringing it heavy. Bringing it heavy. Another amazing worship leader, her name is Darlene Check, and she's from Australia. She gave the church the, the song, Shout to the Lord, if you remember that one from back in the day. I think we wore that one out, but I'm hoping to resurrect it today. We're going to do something with that. Shout to the Lord. Here's what Darlene has to say about what worship is. Worship is more than singing beautiful songs in church on a Sunday. It's more than instruments and music. As a true worshiper, your heart will long to worship him at all times, in all ways, and with all your life. You see, we need to be worshiping on the way to church worship. So that what we do here for an hour is just a continuance of what you've already been doing. And what you're going to do beyond here is you will continue in your worship to God, whatever that looks like for you, whatever that new song is that you're singing. Because if this is all that we know, we become critical. We become critical about what happens within this hour and the the song choices that are made or the musical instrumentation or the key of the song that we sang in that was too high or too low for us to sing in or the sermon length. Sorry. Um... (laughs) But what happens is, is that if, if this is all that we know of worship, we become consumers of worship. You better play that song I like. Better have that harp. This is my hour. Let's get it done. But you see, 
if we're living a lifestyle of worship, you are no longer a consumer of worship, but you are a person who is consumed by worship. And all that we do is worship. And all that we sing is worship. And it's an overflow, an outbursting of this relationship and a response that we have to a living God. Because He has done great things. So my question for us this morning is, what new song do you need to sing? What new song do you need to sing? Where are you missing opportunities to connect with God and His creation? Maybe your worship needs to get ramped up a bit, needs to get a little bit louder. Where's God calling you to break forth for him? Maybe this morning you need to be reminded that there's hope, that there is hope. Maybe life has felt hopeless and dark and it's been a long time. And you need to be reminded of those three words that for he comes. May those three words bring you the hope that you need and so this morning I would like to leave you again with the words of Psalm 98 as a whole that we get to remember what God has done in our life that we get to see creation all around us worshiping here and now and that we have hope that God will come again with fairness and goodness and while I do this we're going to show a video of that very stream and have the sounds of the rivers clapping their hands in worship to God. So that will be playing behind me as we read this. And when I am finished, we will let you sit for a moment. And my hope is is that the Holy Spirit will continue to be teacher, continue to be comforter, continue to be guide, and we'll leave you for about a minute, and then the worship team will lead us in some response of worship. So let the words of Psalm 98 wash over you. Sing to the Lord a new song. For He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made His salvation known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. He has remembered His love and His faithfulness to Israel. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it. The whole world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. The mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity.